What the bleep is this? And now it's time for FinCast. Boom shakalaka. Wide receiver and fan favorite Brian Finneran is talking Dirty Bird football. Powered by Scana Energy, the official natural gas partner of the Atlanta Falcons. Looking for Finneran who leaps into the air, a touchdown. FinCast starts now. All right, Dirty Bird fans, it is not a fun week in Atlanta. A lot of losses and more losses on top of that. You are listening to FinCast, brought to you by Scanna Energy, the official natural gas partner of the Atlanta Falcons. Alongside the great B-Fin86, Brian Finneran. What up? I'm, I'm Tyler Nelson. How are you today, Finn? I'm good, good. All um, things considered? Yeah, all things considered. Not a great weekend in Atlanta, except for the fact that the Georgia Bulldogs have a chance to do yep. something really special. Falcons obviously booted out of the postseason with their loss. Up in Buffalo, um, what else happened? Hawks are on a bad streak. Braves in the MLB still can't get their act together. Right. So, well, it was as you said, it was a great, great win for the Bulldogs, and probably not every Falcons fan is a Bulldogs fan. I am, you are, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't, I didn't see that blistering coming uh, from from them, especially with the line being like seven or something. And oh yeah, but it was refreshing. Well, um, it was great to, to turn around after the bad loss yeah. to Alabama, to bounce back like that against a Michigan team that just beat Ohio State and and won the Big Ten was awesome. So you took care of business. You put yourself right yep. where you need to be. Now you got to beat a team yep. that's been your nemesis and Achilles heel for a long time. Everything's equal because they're both in the in the final game. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely looking forward to that on the 10th. But uh, losses on top of losses. We lost the game on Sunday, but we had some very significant losses of uh, some great dudes that we will talk about later on. Coach Reeves and, of course, John Madden. That's but, right. So, yeah, that game sucked. Um uh, <laughs> I was watching it at Taco Mac in Peachtree City, uh-huh. uh, which was the uh, first time I've been in a Taco Mac in a while. Did you text me during the game? Yeah, because I thought Matt Ryan had just scored a touchdown. Oh my goodness! So Can we Matt talk Ryan- about that play for a second? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that was. I mean, uh, and maybe it was the rules, right? It maybe is the rule maybe and, and they nailed it, but it's just mind-boggling that the penalty could be assessed on something that kind of didn't happen. Exactly. It's like. Um, it's like a false start where the play is not supposed to happen, and then somebody gets a personal foul penalty for right. hitting somebody after they already blew the whistle. Right, or exactly. So if he was down, I just walk, walk me through right. that a little bit. So Matt Ryan does a great job down by the goal line, um, has a chance to get in the end zone and, and tries to dive in. He can't slide because as soon as he slides, you're giving yourself you're up. Giving yourself up. Well, in 2018, they made a rule for quarterbacks: if you dive, you're also giving yourself up to protect them from taking okay. shots to the head, to protect them from any other injuries and stuff like that. So, Matt tried to dive into the end zone. Michael Vick tries to dive in the end zone. He hovers over the ground. Right. He's an uber athlete. Yeah. Okay. Um, Matt's a different kind of athlete. So he is. <laughs> so when he dives, his legs don't necessarily follow in the air. Right. So his knee hit just before the ball crossed the goal line, and he scored, we thought. Touchdown's called. Yay, we celebrate. Matt spikes the ball. When Matt dives down low to go in the end zone, the DB literally torpedoes himself yeah. towards Matt, clips his helmet, but hits him in the back and pushes him in the ground. Matt didn't like like it at all. Nor should anybody. Took exception to it, spikes the ball left-handed, really close to the guy, and then says something to and him. And what I text you was, when you when you have your call with Matt this week, and I was in a good mood. I was like, when he, Matty Wheels scored a touchdown. When you Make sure you ask him That's what, right. he what he said. What he said to that guy. And Boop. then flag. Yeah, then flag. So what Matt told us on uh, in the locker room on 680 The Fan, he said, I didn't say anything more than I've said before, and I didn't say anything more than I've heard other people say before that never got flagged. Right. I think it was a combination between the spike close to the guy and the mouth and off at him. 
Um, so they go back and review it. Matinee is down before the ball crosses the plane on the goal line. That, in fact, since 2018 has been a rule to protect the quarterbacks from getting hit like he got hit right? so they don't get concussed and get hurt. So with that, if they didn't throw the, the flag for Matt, they should have thrown a flag for the guy hitting Matt. For the hitter, spearing. Exactly, for spearing, exactly right. They didn't do that. We get backed up 15 yards. It's fourth down. We have to go for it because it's 29 right. to 15. We don't score, and the rest is kind of history. And that's what and that's what was confusing is if he was down, how is it not spearing? And if it's right, it, if it's a touchdown, it's fine, ta- taunting. But like they missed it because they called it a touchdown initially, and you can't go back and, and review a, a missed penalty. penalty. Well, so it was frustrating. Most of that game was frustrating. You take a 15-14 lead into halftime. You're battling. Defense has three turnovers, three interceptions. Going into the third quarter, you have another one in the third quarter. You can't turn it into points. You get shut out in the second half. You lose 29-15 in a game where you had a chance to do something. Yeah. Did I expect them to win that game? No. It would have been a nice, it would have been nice cherry on top of the season. I mean, again, yeah. like we've lost games we shouldn't have lost. Yep. And we've maybe even arguably won some games that you didn't expect to win. I didn't expect to win that either. But we were so close to being yep. able to. Yep. You are in it for a long time until you weren't. In, in the second half, yeah. the defense, who was great in the first half, yeah. let you down. I think Buffalo had three drives in the second half. Yeah, just straight boom, boom, Eight boom. up the clock, six-and-a-half-minute drive, seven-minute drive, yeah. touchdowns on both drives, and the game's over. Yeah. Well, um, that puts us out of the playoffs, which, you know, I, honestly, if we had gotten in the playoffs, that would have been— yeah. It would have been fun for a minute. You're probably not yeah. going to beat a playoff team. You no. haven't beat a playoff team all year. No. Before the season started, I said eight or nine wins. That's what this team is built on. you got a, a fairly easy schedule. You beat the teams you're supposed mm-hmm. to beat, except for Washington and Carolina early in the season. And, um, Arguably and Philadelphia. Is, well, Philly's a playoff team now, so what are you going to do? Here's to looking forward to the draft, I guess. But um, <laughs> some some nice positives. You said a minute ago Matt Ryan is 248 passing yards away from his four, his 11th yep. consecutive 4,000-yard season. That's exactly right. I don't think he gets it. I'm not trying to yeah, poo on Matt. So, Matt has receiving core is depleted completely. He, one time in the last eight games, he's thrown for over 200. 40 yards. Jeez. One time. Oof. So I don't see it happen against a really good Saints defense. That's number six against the pass overall. Really good up front. Yeah. So now he doesn't have to throw for 250 to get a W. He can nope. run the ball effectively, score touchdowns, take care of the football, don't turn it over. You can beat the Saints. But it would be great for his records and stats and everything yeah. else if he can get that 4,000 yards again for the 11th straight season and show you that he's special. How does that rank? I mean, I, I think Matt Ryan's a. Hall of Famer regardless. We've talked about this on this podcast, yeah. but how does that rank? That's a consecutive I mean, season thing rank it's in, huge. Ta- it's, in terms it's, of all-timers. No, it's longevity. It's durability. It's availability. It's being on the field. Yeah. I'm not sure how many guys have done it. Uh, I'm sure there's not that many. Yeah, probably not. Uh, but 11 straight years of 4,000 well, yards. Well, even the greats, if you want to talk about, you know, like Terry Bradshaw or whatever, they, they weren't passing as much. No, not no, nearly a different as much. era. Yeah. Different era. And a different era brings us to the next guy. Yes. Kyle Pitts. He did the f- he's the first tight end. Since uh, 1961, when Mike Ditka broke mm-hmm. a thousand yards receiving as a tight end, first guy to break a thousand yards as a rookie tight end, mind-boggling. Isn't that crazy? Some of the greats, Travis Kelsey, uh, Tony, Tony Gonzalez, Gonzalez. Uh, like have not had that. That or, first year for tight ends is a tough year. Now listen, Pitts why was, is that? Um, you're a lineman, you're a receiver, you got to block, you got to catch, you got to know. Right, but that's always true for tight ends. So why is the first year harder? Just because you're not as used to that? I mean, yeah, it's a different animal. Okay. You're dealing with giant defensive ends. You're dealing with a run game that's different than you're used to. You got receivers, two or three receivers that are legit receivers now. You're not mm-hmm. the focal point for the most part mm-hmm. as a rookie right. in any offense, right? Um, you don't get 
you don't get open coverages like you usually do. You got to deal with linebackers and right. safeties, and there's a lot that goes into it. Just the general transition from college to NFL is yeah, that's point. part of it too. But to to have to be lined up on the line of scrimmage, be flexed out, go out wide, and do all the things they have to do, learn the run game, learn the pass game. It's that's a lot for a young rookie tight end and football player for that matter to learn. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. I I think 58 and one game left. That's very, very, very doable. It, it, um, absolutely. Last week, I think he had two catches for 69 yards. And um, so he can do that again. He's got a hamstring injury, so he's yeah, questionable yeah. right now. I don't know if he's practicing this week or not. Probably taking it easy. So we'll see if he can get it. Uh, if he's in the game, I would imagine they'll try to get him to that. Yeah, 58. I'm sure they will. But uh, then again, if he's if he has something that like a hammy that's bothering him, I would rather him not play. Yeah, than, the last thing you want to do is go into, than go into for off a, just with an him. ancillary uh, stat. Okay, well, this brings us to the more uh, sad, somber. Regret, somber. Thank you. That's a perfect word it's for a big it. Word. Um, we lost Dan Reeves and John Madden this past week. So, of course, more specifically to us, Dan Reeves, mm-hmm. uh, you played for him. I'm very glad I got to meet him once, and I'll retell this for in a second. But Dan Reeves passing away at the age of 77 on uh, New Year's Day. So, um, was that? I mean, I guess he was in bad shape. Okay, dementia had sent in big time. I think he lost a bunch of weight. He was really sick. I don't know all the details of exactly what illnesses he had, but mm-hmm. dementia was a big part of it. Um, his family was with him. Um, his, his son-in-law is Joe DiCamillis, who's a special teams coach. He was okay. my special teams coach here in Atlanta for a long time. Um, was with him as well, and uh, his daughter and wife and grandkids and everybody else. But to be able to play for a guy like that, a legend of our game, yeah. guy that played in the Ice Bowl in Green Bay yep. and played in the first and second Super Bowls, won two Super Bowls as a player, lost four as a as a head coach, mm-hmm. one memorably here in Atlanta. He's just so gracious. He said he did a deal in 2018. So Dan Reeves was honored for an award. Uh, Tony Dungy presented it to him. It was from through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Mm-hmm. And he was up there receiving the award, and Tony Dungy was asking him about his coaching career, and he brought up the 1998 Super Bowl. It was, I think, January right. of 99 at the time, where uh, his player, Eugene Robinson, Robinson had a had a uh, some indi- indiscretions, I guess yeah. you could say, the day before the game. Yeah. And he went through that whole story about how he dealt with the situation, and it was really touching how he dealt with Eugene, sat down and prayed with him for a minute. And then he went on to talk about those Super Bowls that he lost, and he's like, those are on a head coach. You prepare your team, and if they're not prepared to make the plays they're supposed to make, then you feel that as a coach and you take that responsibility. And he had that year in and year out everywhere. He went, and it was like playing for a father figure. That's what he was right. to me. He, he really brought me through the ranks. I was a young football player. It was my first year really playing. Right. I got cut by the Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. the year before. Finally got another chance with Dan Reeves. He counted on me on third downs put me in the slot, counted me in the red zone, played a lot of special teams for him. For him. He just uh, he was that coach that you were slightly scared of as a young kid, yeah. uh, but you respected the hell out of, and you never wanted to let him down. Well, and that's the, I think we when when we officially inducted him into Finn's Ring of Honor and, mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast a few episodes ago, I think I said that to you. Is like, was he kind of the guy you're not as scared of, you were more scared of letting him down? That's right. And, and that, you know... It, I think everybody can identify with that on some level, having us all been kids at one point, parents, teachers, whatever. But I think that ultimately that's a sign of respect more than anything else. If you are afraid more than being grounded to let somebody down, right. it's because you respect the shit out of them. That's right. And, uh, you know, I, I, th- I told the story in the last episode, I'll tell it again, is that <laughs> I've only, I only got to meet him one time. He uh, We have an annual turn- golf tournament at 6A, the fan that a lot of uh, NFL and collegiate football dignitaries are mm-hmm. at. And uh, Dan was usually among them. And the uh, fun uh, 
story that I have of him is I walked up to him and I'm a native Atlantan and I remember when he was first hired and he, you know, he's a native, he's a Georgia native, so there was a big deal when he was first hired. And I remember there being billboards around town being like, welcome back, Coach Reeves, and all this stuff, and it being a really big deal, not just a hire. Yeah. Uh, but culturally to Atlanta. And so I was just really excited to meet Falcons and Atlanta great, right, all-timer. So I walked up to him at the bar at the end of the golf tournament, and he was sitting there talking to somebody, and I waited my turn to speak to him. And eventually he noticed me, and he paused the conversation, and I said, hey, Coach, um, Tyler Nelson and I work at the fan. I just – Want to say hi and just thank you for being a great Atlanta and being, being a great Falcon for what you did for the Falcons, all that stuff. Um, will you do a shot of bourbon with me? <laughs> and I had no idea what to expect. Uh, of course, he's an, obviously an older gentleman, and you know <laughs> I know he's obviously a man of faith and everything. So I did was taking a risk, but he goes, "Well, I haven't had a bourbon since 1992, but <laughs> sure, let's do it." So me and him and the other gentleman who I, I don't remember who that was, <laughs> we had. A, Shot a bourbon right there at the bar, and I thanked him and talked maybe for another thirty seconds or so, and that was the only only time I got to hang out with Coach. Yeah. But just what a gracious man, big like, time. I'm a nobody, and he hasn't had bourbon since '92, and he's like, "Sure, okay, you yeah. guy, absolutely." And he's so welcoming to anybody that came up to him. He's a big man. His voice is exactly what you expect it to be. His handshake is giant. Yeah. Um. It was just, it was a special, it was a special era for me to be able to play for him, and you don't really realize it as much at the time. But once you're done playing, then you realize, and then you right. then he passes away, go back and you reminisce on it, and it was a pleasure and, a, and how an much, honor. How much of him. your career would you say you owe to him and that oh, relationship? It sounds like, dude, uh, the entirety of my career, <laughs> no question. I was, I was cut twice before I got to Atlanta. I had to go to Europe and play over there. Yep. And once I got here, he was a coach that trusted me to do things on the field that that were important: third down, special mm-hmm. teams, punt return. Uh, cover kicks in a in a certain sense, like that third down thing is probably the if if you had to boil your career down to one line, that's probably the thing. No You're question, Mr. third down, right? No question. And it took time for me to get into that role, a year year and a half, and once I did, I was his guy, and I continued to do that and work on my craft. And he was just he was so much fun to play for, and again, the respect factor and everything else. So it was an honor and a pleasure, and, and a great life he lived, and um, the people that he touched is just. Phenomenal. Yeah. Well, um, we could do hours on Coach Reeves, but right. just some quick highlights. Uh, so, from Rome, Georgia, and grew up America in Americas, which is where uh, Jimmy Carter's from, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, participated in nine Super Bowls, which is the third most of anyone living, uh, or anyone ever, excuse me, right. any single yeah. person, uh, not just living. 23 seasons as a head coach, which is insane. Like, that's a ton uh, between the Broncos, Giants, and Falcons, and only one of only nine NFL head coaches to win over 200 career games. Amazing. So how the heck is he not in the, in the right. Hall of Fame? <laughs> uh, it's a great question. His playing career was interesting. He won two Super Bowls, but the guys on his teams, the Bart Stars and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, Tom Landry's right. his coaches and things like that, I think overshadowed what he did. I think he had 42 touchdowns or something in eight years playing. That's crazy. As a rookie, he might have had like 14 touchdowns. Or, yeah. it, was, it was nuts. He wasn't the focal point of the offense ever. But he was a big part of it. So as a player, you know, seven, eight-year uh, career with not a ton of big-time stats and numbers, but he was a really good player. And then the coaching career, not to get over that hump, not to win a Super Bowl, probably kept him out, unfortunately. Yeah. But don't be surprised if posthumously yeah. he's a guy that they bring in back into the Hall of Fame and they honor him at some point. And he should be, and, and it just only sucks that if he is, that it didn't happen in his lifetime and he didn't get to see that. Uh, January 19th, 1944 to January 1st, 2002. Uh, rest in peace, Coach Dan Reeves. We'll miss you, man. Um, but that brings us to another sad loss, and that is, of course, John Madden, who 
I mean, when I was growing up, and I was born in 88, and obviously grew up in the 90s and early 1000s, played football myself, you know, kind of the dawn of the of video games 2 era, uh, watching football and watching anything football related was just, was just John Madden, and when that's all you know, you don't really realize the scope of, and I didn't, I guess I'm supposed to be, you yeah. don't realize how completely huge of a person and personality and right. and the depth of his the effect that John Madden had on football and I so I watched and I, I don't know if you've seen it or not but the uh, the Madden documentary called All Madden mm-hmm. uh fan freaking tastic um really really good and and just what a gregarious person he was and a huge personality generous but like tough and quirky and his right. whole his whole all Madden thing just came out of a conversation with his buddy. The traveling across the country came because he would it wasn't a stick. He didn't want, he was afraid of flying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just you know a huge huge effect and and prolific like yeah effect on on the game of football in the NFL. I mean, as his son put in the documentary, John Madden changed the way we even celebrate Thanksgiving <laughs> with the turducken and Absolutely. and the whole drawing on the screen thing. That it, I th- yeah no I think. A lot of the things he did as a commentator, because as a coach, you don't really get to know these guys very well. And right. it was early on in my lifetime when he was coaching, when I was two years old, when he was done coaching. Right. And won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. Raiders, yeah. But watching him on TV, he felt like he was one of us. Yes. The way he talked, the way he joked, the way he uh, was self-deprecating at times, uh, the fun he had calling football games and his voice and his delivery and everything else, it just, it, it just resonated, I think. Through the nation, and the fact that he did get to know people driving on that RV and that bus mm-hmm. uh, across the country doing the games and everything else was just—it just—I think people could relate to John Madden more than a lot of the guys that they saw. In well, and that's the thing. And then you haven't paired up with guys like Al Michael or Pat Summerall, which were the perfect kind of foil to his mm-hmm. <laughs> to everything he was. But you're dead on, and he brought football to a, into your living room in a way that nobody else ever had or really has since even. And then on top of that, the Madden games. Hmm. Like he's synonymous with a whole, like it's almost like Coke is anything carbonated. Madden is a, transgenerational. I yes, mean, yes, extremely. My kids to me, to my older brother, to whoever. Yeah. The kids that are born today will be yeah. playing Madden yeah. for a long, long time. My, my bro- soon to be brother in law gave me a Madden game. At Christmas, like, and and that's you know, like, still today after his death, he's he's just living on and and brought. I mean, hell, man, talk about your the little yes. unique thing story you have with the Madden, your uh, persona yeah, t- in the Madden game. What was it two thousand four? Two thousand four. Um, had a really good two thousand three season playing with Michael Vick in the Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to play with Michael Vick on the yeah, video he's on the game. cover of that year, isn't he? Not in just in America, but in the across the world, yeah, across the globe, and. Um, with that, I became known in, across Madden rankings. So as Vic kept, get, kept getting better and putting up crazy stats, I kept getting better and putting up better <laughs> stats and stats. At one point, I think I was 6'7", 220 pounds, and my jump rating was 99 and catch rating was 99. And <laughs> Just like in real life. That's exactly I finally reached my full potential in Madden. So in, um, after, I think this was about 2010, 11, they came out with the All-Legend team. All Madden Legend team, and the funny story is, keep it short, the two receivers on that team, because of what Mike Fick did for me um, and our team and, and Madden itself, uh-huh. the game, the two receivers were myself and Jerry Rice for the All Madden Legend team, and and um, Randy Moss, myself, and Jerry Rice was the third back. Was like my backup. <laughs> That's good company to be in, dude. <laughs> it was crazy. It made no sense. So everybody says, 
oh, there was a glitch in the system. The only reason <laughs> it happened that way. So, but fun to be a part of that, and it always be linked to John Madden. Did you did you have any uh, interaction with him during the? Because he was broadcasting for most of your career. He was, but I don't think I I don't ever had a chance to meet him. Would have been awesome to do something like that, but never really did. And and uh, but it's part of it. So. Yeah, he, he finished up when about my career finished up. Yeah, I think it was just a year or two before mm-hmm. yours. So. Well, I will say to anybody listening, uh, still, uh, <laughs> that that was a, it was a really good documentary. It was only like an hour and change, really right. really quick, really, really neat, and just kind of peek behind the curtain of somebody. I mean, like, the only person more endorsed in sports than him in the 90s was Michael Jordan. Mm. I mean, could you have two different, more people? <laughs> like, amazing. That's insane. It's amazing. Uh, but John Madden, just a prolific legacy he leaves mm-hmm. uh, around football and, and all sports, so... Rest in peace, John Madden. On a positive note, to finish off with uh, Coach Madden, um, I watched, just as I was doing stuff around the house, I put on a movie that I've seen a hundred times but hadn't seen in a while, and that's The Replacements, which is an absolutely great, very entertaining movie, uh, and John Madden's in it. Classic. Uh, him and Pat Summerall are calling games, even though the teams are made-up teams and not mm-hmm. NFL-branded teams. But uh, this is for you. The If you recall the end of that movie, uh-huh. the tight end, the deaf tight end, catches a pass from... Keanu Reeves or Shane Falco to win the game. Okay. And uh, I want to show you this picture that I took of the screen. (laughs) (laughs) The the, The white boy number 86. The the white boy wide receiver, (laughs) uh, the deaf tight end in in the replacements, (laughs) his number is 86. Uh, Just like our BFIN 86 right here. So I uh, I got a good uh, chuckle out of that last night when I saw it. So anyway, rest in peace, coach, coaches, Dan Mm -hmm. Reeves and John Madden. Just prolific. legacies that they've left with us in Atlanta and uh, the game of football overall in the nation. So I guess we'll see next week against the Saints. Hopefully try and ruin their playoff hopes. Number one goal the rest of the season, one more game left, yeah. is to ruin the Saints' hopes and hope they don't and beat them so they don't have a chance to go to the postseason. I was just on a phone call with a client, and uh, he said, I'm sorry to admit, man, but I'm a, I'm a Panthers fan. Do you, you hate me for that? And I said, no, I don't honestly really care. We we just hate the Saints. You're That's all good. Right. <laughs> You're all no good, bro. No problem with that. You know, yeah, I'm problem with you. I just hope we uh, run the Saints party. I mean, when they, I, I might have told this story before in the podcast, but uh, when the Saints lost to the Vikings on that uh, very missed call, obviously, uh, to go to the Super Bowl, they had someone in New Orleans paid good money in the Atlanta economy to put up billboards around town saying the Saints got hosed, which, as far as I'm concerned. Just reminded me that the Saints aren't going to the Super Bowl, That's exactly which I'm right. fine with. So. Thank God it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. And uh, it would have been in our town, too. So uh, here's to ruining the Saints party this weekend. And, I mean, a frustrating season, Finn. But, you know. Yeah, you know, the expectations, is it is what it is. They yeah. got seven wins. I said seven, eight, nine wins at most. Yep. And uh, that's what they are. They're, they're a team that lack the amount of talent you need to be really good in this league right now. Offensive, defensive, offensive and defensive line specifically. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that uh, there's almost no position we're not lacking at. On, <laughs> to be completely honest you with you, make that. Um, I, well, I would say that our uh, middle, you know, the linebackers had a good, good finish of the season with a couple of interceptions and stuff. But, but yeah, at, where do we go in the draft? Is I guess something we'll probably be talking about a lot in the off-season version of this podcast. But we'll be back next week, I guess, to hopefully celebrate a Saints loss. Mm-hmm. And um, until then, go Dirty Birds. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to FinCast, brought to you by Scana Energy, the official natural gas partner of the Atlanta Falcons. FinCast is hosted by Brian Finneran, co-hosted and executive produced by Tyler Nelson. If you'd like to reach out to the show, 
email Tyler at Tyler at 68ofthefan.com. FinCast is hosted by 68ofthefan on thepodcastpark.com and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Opening and closing music by Atlanta band Gringo Star and their song, I Will Not Follow. Thanks for tuning in to FinCast. We'll see you next week. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This is 
could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 